Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And I'm really a bit torn on how to assess the rest of the 2021 season. Not for me. I know how I'm assessing it. I know how I'm assessing it, but uh, mainly I'm listening to the games in the pipeline. But for people who are primarily watching Cubs games, Chicago Cubs games, I'm having a hard time with figuring out, oh, how to phrase it, um, how to get any sort of value out of the season because you know the Cubs are going to lose a whole lot of games. And a lot of people are tied into, I'm watching this game because I want to watch the Cubs win, and that's why I'm watching the game. And I get that. I understand that. And that's not going to happen much this year. So, you know, that's why a lot of people are saying, oh, Bears spring train, uh, Bears fall camp is starting today or whatever. And, uh, you know, I get that. I understand that. It makes perfect sense. But if I were a person who was watching the Chicago Cubs only, how would I pencil out the rest of the 2021 season. Here's probably how I'd do it. Here's how I would probably get some level of value from the season. And here's, and before that, I will go into something that I would not do because it's probably a very little value. What I would not do is look ahead to 2022 and the free agent class and say the Cubs ought to sign this guy and the Cubs ought to sign this guy and the Cubs ought to sign this other guy and they ought to sign this guy for this position. I wouldn't do that even remotely. So, Tim, who do you think the Cubs are going to sign the offseason? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even worrying about it. That that will take 0% of my brain power for the rest of the season because there's a whole lot of information that I have absolutely no access to that is vital as far as what the Cubs are going to do next year. One, will there be a strike? Very important. If there's going to be a strike, there's really no reason in the owners, in the executives, doing anything significant in the offseason. Hey, you know... (laughs) Uh, Jed to Tom. Hey Tom, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign this guy. Uh, okay, well whatever. But we're gonna have a lockout in early December. So whatever you do, what doesn't really matter. The players know there might be a lockout or a strike. The owners know there might be a lockout or a strike. The owners might know what day the strike the lockout is gonna happen. That's kind of stuff that's really huge. And if there's not going to be a season of any realistic sort, if all transactions are going to stop on December 8th, there's really not too much of a reason for any of us to start worrying about which um, right fielder the Cubs are going to sign. No reason. Absolutely of no benefit whatsoever. Now, maybe it will be eventually 
Uh, if the owners and the players come to an agreement, then, you know, there'll be plenty of time for that. But as far as, yes, the Cubs should go out and sign Corey Seager. Well, why is Corey Seager going to want to come sign with the Cubs? Until Corey Seager sees that the Cubs actually have a squad that's going to win, why would Corey Seager want to come play for the Cubs? It's not a one-way deal. Seager has to see the Cubs being active, and the Cubs have to offer him an amount that would be acceptable for him. I have none of that, no access to any of that stuff. So, since the stuff that a lot of people are going to want to talk about is completely, why are you even bothering with the podcast on that, or why are you even bothering writing an article on who the seven best third baseman that the Cubs should sign in the offseason are. I don't get it. Who, 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 are the, who are the top eight likely prospects for uh, free agent pitchers for the Cubs to sign? No interest in that. Here's what I'd be interested in. Write down a list of every single player on the Cubs' current roster. Now, you can include the guys like Alexander Canario or Miguel Amaya or, let's see, who else we want to throw on that list? Um, got, got to look to Alexander Vizcaino. Players who are on the 40-man roster that are almost certainly not going to play on the Chicago Cubs this season. You can write those players down. You can entirely leave them off the list. Either way is fine with me. So you write down this list of 26, 28, 30, 30, however many players you want to write down. You write this one list of 32 players. Step one. Now, step two, get out another blank sheet of paper. Three columns. Left column, center column, right column. Left column is players who will be on the 40-man roster over the offseason. This stuff you can start to put together. For instance, Nico Horner will probably be on the 40-man roster in 2022. Reasonably confident on that. I'm going to put him on the left-hand column list. Uh, Nick Madrigal. Yeah, I think he'll probably be on the 40-man roster next year. Put him on the left-hand column list. Edward Elzelay, same place. Le left column, left column. Um, Zach Davies? I don't think he will be on the 40-man roster next year. Certainly not off of an extension. So I'm going to put him on the right-hand column list. See how I'm, see what I'm doing here? I'm not even remotely caring about players who are not currently and presently in the organization. What I'm assessing is the players who are currently Chicago Cubs. Will this player deserve a 40-man roster spot in the offseason? Rafael Ortega. Are you confident enough to put him on the left column list yet? 
Patrick Wisdom, are you confident enough to put him on the left-hand column list? Both will be making league minimum next year. Not saying they're going to play a bunch. Not saying they're going to start. Not saying this. Not saying that. Because I don't know if there's going to be a season. All I'm saying is, do these players represent that they deserve a 40-man roster spot next year? You are checking down each available player. Wilson Contreras, left column. Kyle Hendricks, left column. Both of those last two, if they're not traded. So, on the right-hand column list, you have guys like Zach Davies. I would probably put Robinson Chirinos on the right-hand column list. Not that they're bad players. It's just that I don't see them around next year. So then what you end up having, you have some names on the left-hand column list, some on the right-hand column list, some possibly at the bottom that you excluded, like Alexander Canario, who you're probably not going to get any video of this year enough to assess much of anything, but he'll be on the 40-man roster next year. Um, so what you have is a bunch of players in the middle, a whole bunch of players in the middle. Jake Jewell. Is he going to be? I don't know. As the season progresses, players might get called up late and get given a 40-man roster spot later in the season. Sergio Alcantara. Which column are you putting him in? I wouldn't put him in the right-hand list. Uh, I'd probably have him in the center list, leaning toward the left column list, because, well, <laughs> he's a starting shortstop, and he's certainly going to get a whole bunch of looks. Um, Andrew Romine, I think he would probably be on the right-hand column list. Again, not he's a terrible player, but he is unlikely to get an extension. And as the season progresses, more players might get brought in. So now you are mentally assessing, does this guy belong on the 40-man roster list for the offseason? Whatever your reasoning. Does he belong? Does he have more to prove? If he doesn't, if he does have more to prove, what more does he have to prove? Can he get that proven? Will he be that good? You assess it. You watch it. You find out. You decide. Um, possibly some of the players on the 60-day injured list will return. Austin Romine is rumored to be nearly ready. If he returns, then... Perhaps, since you are assessing the 40-man roster rather carefully, you might have an idea of which guy ought to be done away with if Austin Romine is ready to return. Um, player Janeshwi Fargus should get more of a look than he's gotten so far. You know, I'm not going to say he should be stealing at bats from this specific player or that specific player. But as the Cubs coaches get used to what he's good at, they should probably figure out 
the proper time to play Janeshwi Fergus would be, and then put him in then. You know, right-handed hitter, maybe you spot him against left-handers and give one of the other guys a day off. Maybe you give Rafael Ortega a day off then. Janeshwi Fargus and Rafael Ortega as a platoon in center or something like that. I have no idea. But mentally start checking down, is this guy worth keeping? Is this guy not worth keeping? Now, as for me, I'm going to be paying a whole lot more attention to the minor league games than the major league games. I'll catch up on the major league games. And if uh, Rafael Ortega has another three home run game, that probably pushes him farther into the left-hand list. And it's perfectly okay to move a player from the left-hand list to maybe the middle list or the right-hand list. You know, maybe. Uh, but understand the lo- the logic behind... Um, what the player will cost next year. If a player is minimum wage, he really doesn't have to prove all that much. Jason Hayward's going to be around next year. That money does that. Um, yeah. So if you are watching the Chicago Cubs, it's not necessarily the angle that you, it's not the bargain you cut necessarily. But if you want to be. Um, ahead of the wave on discussing the Cubs, then figure out in your own mind, is this player going to be on the left-hand list with Nico Horner and Adbert Alzale and Nick Madrigal, or is he going to be on the right-hand column list with players like Robinson Chirinos, Andrew Romine, and... Uh, Zach Davies. That's what I do. If I were pot committed to the Cubs, I would be focusing more on who belongs on the 40-man roster over the offseason because that is stuff that as data comes in, as you see things, as you learn things, oh, this guy hits the curveball better than I expected he did. This guy's hitting, uh, this guy's uh, fielding better than he did last week. Assessing, assessing, processing data. Janeshwi Fargus, the Cubs have him for six years. If they want him, do they want him? Should they want him? Why Why would they want him? Why shouldn't they want him? You know, ask the questions, the questions you ask about players. No, there aren't any players that are likely to have their uniform number retired based off of this season. Jake Arrieta, right-hand column. And with Jake Arrieta, if it gets to a point where, why are the Cubs giving Jake Arrieta the ball still? Why are the Cubs still giving Jake Arrieta the ball, even in this current situation? The reason is because he's upright. The Cubs don't have a whole lot of other guys that they can turn to in the minor league system who can walk out and give you four, five, six innings. They just don't. That's not something they're loaded on. If you're to the point, or if your friends are to the point, they are get rid of Jake Arrieta. Okay, fine. Which specific player should they call up? 
look up somebody from AAA. Which guy from AAA? Ask specific, pointed questions that can have definite, specific answers. Adrian Sampson would be the guy from AAA to call up, and he would be worth looking at for a while on into the future because he could go on the right-hand list or the left-hand list, which means he would be in the center list for a while. And if the Cubs are going to give Adrian Sampson an honest-to-goodness look, how many starts do you need to see to accurately assess if he should be a starter on Into the Future or not? That's your call for you. Would you need to see five starts from Adrian Sampson to decide if he is worthy of a 40-man roster spot over the offseason? Would you need seven? Perhaps the Cubs should at some point call up Adrian Sampson and create a roster spot for him to get looked at. Now, would that mean bumping uh, Edward Elzelay out of the 40-man, uh, off of the um, five-man rotation and putting him into the bullpen and limiting his innings that way or running him up to his innings limit and then putting him on the 60-day disabled list and activating Samson in that spot for that reason. Or perhaps designating Jake Arrieta for assignment at some point. These are all tactical, strategic questions that make a whole lot more sense than the Cubs should go out and sign Corey Seager in the offseason. I love the strategy, the tactics of baseball. And the strategy and tactics of baseball have taken a definite turn the last 15 years. Not necessarily for the better. Not necessarily for the better, but they have taken a turn. And it's completely legitimate to assess said tactics. Does Jake Jewell deserve a 40-man roster spot in the offseason? That's a completely legitimate question. Because Jake Jewell could be a useful pitcher on Into the Future. Or he could be completely nothing. Either one, either or. Could be either. Getting the 50-50 questions right. I call it 50-50. It might be more 30-70 or 35-65. But I call it a 50-50. Getting the 50-50 questions right is important in, this, in the rest of this season. Is Jake Jewell worth keeping? Is Rafael Ortega worth keeping? Why? If you are assessing every single player on the Cubs roster, major league roster, 40-man roster, however, however you want to look at it, from now until the end of the season, that will give you plenty of reason to tune in either on TV or on radio or on the satellite or on whatever 
that will give you plenty of stuff to discuss and push back with me on Twitter, should you wish. Because I'm fascinated in people's opinions on should Jake Jewell get a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. You've seen him once. Probably seen him, I don't know, 12, 14, 16 more times. Assess what is assessable. Account for what is accountable. If someone on the roster should be kept, the Cubs ought to get about assessing those players so they know that. If a player ought to be released over the offseason and the 40-man spot be used on someone else, get about that as well. There will be, before the next season starts, whenever that is, players ready to go who have received lower contract offers than they thought they deserved. Those are probably going to be the types of players the Cubs are trying to um, sign on one or two year deals to go with players like Nick Madrigal and Nico Horner and Jason Hayward and Kyle Hendricks and Wilson Contreras. Should Jake Jewell, Adrian Sampson, Manny Rodriguez is going to be on the 40-man roster. With him, it's going to be more of a question of should he be in the Cubs' bullpen come the first game of the season? And that's another very legitimate question. Where, which players should be on the roster? Should they be more looking at on the Major League roster or on the 40-man roster in Iowa waiting for call-up? Those are all very important questions. Far more important than who's going to be the first free agent that the Cubs sign. That that question can be answered once we find out if there's going to be baseball in April. At least Major League Baseball in April. I think there will be baseball in April. I definitely think there will be baseball in April. There will be college baseball in April. The, the uh, compounds will be busy. Because either minor league players will be getting ready for the season or, who knows, uh, I don't know what the season will be. I kind of think it might be like this one where uh, this year's season where they wait until May to start. Because really, who needs to go to a um, game in northern Wisconsin in the second week of April? You know, it seems a better timing to have minor league baseball run early May to mid-September than early April to early September. It seems easier that way. But there are plenty of legitimate questions to run through, to mentally sort, and it hinges more on the more fringe players. As you watch the Cubs games, feel free to run by me. Yeah, I think this guy should be in the left column. This guy should be on the roster next year. Or this guy, I just haven't seen it. I just really haven't seen it. 
And if it ends up getting to a point where Frank Schwindel gets a couple of starts as a designated hitter, maybe one as a first baseman, gets uh, six or eight pinch hitting chances, and you start to build your mental opinion on him, and you say, yeah, I like his power. I think he ought to stick around. Or, no, there's nothing really much here. I'm not sold on it. That is the thinking that 2021 is going to breed. It's not going to be about getting um, hyper about are the Cubs going to hold this 5-2 to two lead or will they be able to come back from this 7-1 to one deficit. It's about assessing talent, assessing players for the future. And if you spend time watching the Cubs games, assessing does this player belong next year. Ian Happ. Ian Happ. The Cubs can keep Ian Happ next year if they want. Now, right now, if the question were right now, there's a whole lot of people that know uh, non-tender him like the Cubs did with Kyle Schwarber last year, which would be a perfectly fine decision, but he has the entire year. He has the entire year, so Ian Happ ought to start quite a bit so he gets to show whether he should be non-tendered or not. There's plenty to think about. And it's really not going to be a whole lot about wins and losses. It's going to be about assessing talent. And if you are watching a baseball game to assess talent, you will never run out of stuff to watch baseball for. Because baseball, at its core, is assessing, is this guy out there, good enough to keep is he and why if you're watching baseball to assess talent regardless the level you can have fun thanks for stopping by be safe be nice to others it looks like a really nice monday out i should probably go take care of something you have a nice day <laughs>